Welcome to the broadcast. Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. I talk to the tree. Stop and hear what I say. Good morning. Shake off the night. The day is dawn. Now comb your hair, brush your teeth, and sit up straight. Yes, sir. Welcome to Rosie on the House. Good morning, everybody. Glad you're here. Every Arizona homeowner's happy every Saturday morning where we talk about two topics most dear to your heart, your home and yourself, your dreams and your wishes, of what you'd like to do around your house, home, castle, or cabin, whether you're trying to repair it, maintain it, or completely remodel it, we are your starting point for information, and you can reach us by dialing one 767 4348 In this 8 o'clock hour, we're always talking about things outside your house, the outdoor living hour, and we've got Mr. Justin Rohner here from Agriscaping, one of our favorite special VIP dignitary guests that come in on a monthly basis. Good morning, Mr. Justin. Good morning. It's a beautiful morning. The warm, it's still on a little on the cool side, and so hopefully you guys are getting outside and doing something in the garden and maybe even preparing for what's to come. They're spoken like a true Arizonan. 87 <laughs> is a cool, <laughs> that's a cool, uh, cool front moving. That's in. a is cool that, front. That yes. Is? We want to just keep convincing ourselves of that at this point. Yeah. You're never allowed to say it's hot. It's just, no. it's just warm. It's just warm. It's trying to be warm. Right. That, yep. That, and, and just drink another glass of water. There you go. That'll keep you going. One of the things our, that we wanted to talk about was our, uh, tree of the month. So tree of the month, all about that desert willow. And if you're out and about uh, this morning or walking around in a valley, you're going to actually see a number of the desert willows are actually blooming right now. That's why we love this as the tree of the month right now, because the desert willows, you got pink varieties, you got pale pale pink varieties, darker purple varieties that are actually blooming. Beautiful desert tree, very good and adapted to the climates that we have here in Arizona. Well, now I have to tell you, uh, not being trained in uh, landscaping, when I hear the word willow, the first word that comes to my mind is dirty. Well, that's not the case so much with the good old desert it? willow. Is it's that? not. Okay. So you're, we're not thinking this, you know, dripping on the ground kind of plant that throws a bunch of stuff out and little, you know, willow uh, fuzzies that are going everywhere yes. and yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, you're thinking probably even like the willow acacia. Okay. Now that's a messy tree. Oh, man. But the desert willow, that's a different one. That okay. one, is, uh, it, it holds its leaves a, quite a bit more, and it's really only dropping a little bit of flower, obviously, this time of year, and the seed is not as, not, as, uh, of, uh, not as big of a problem. And it's not one that volunteers itself as readily as some of these other willow acacias and other types of willow trees. And so for me, it's one of my favorite landscape plants for a desert or xeriscape type scenario. Because it requires so little water, but it also has some good edible quality to it, too. It attracts a lot of wonderful birds. And, and that's that's your unique perspective you on landscaping it. is why we like to bring you in, um, which is where I was going to go. Okay, if you like it, you must be able to eat some part of it. You got it. So <laughs> what, the, the, do you, what part do you eat? The flowers and the beans. And we, we've got some great groups here in the Phoenix area that go out and do these little foraging exercises and stuff as well. You might want to check it out. There's a Cactus Kelly. She's wonderful. Okay. She was a student of ours at one point, but she has gone so far beyond anything I could ever teach her. She loves 
the native edibles and teaching people how to do that kind of stuff. And so that is one. The Desert Willow is one that pops up on her list every year, and it's one that she loves to show people what you can do with. And the flower is eaten in a salad, just rinsed and fresh. And how about the bean? Is it processed, milled like a mesquite? What do you do with it? So it's one that you, when they're, when they're green, you can still eat them. But I like cooking them up a little bit more like an edamame type bean. And uh, I don't like the husk on them particularly myself. Uh, others I've seen, they'll steam them kind of with the husk on. But that seems to infuse a little bit more bitterness into that bean. And so that's not something that I prefer, but that's a way that you can go about uh, working with that desert willow and having some of that edibility of it. Uh, And again, it's a beautiful tree. Is this a tree that'll go head high, two stories high? I haven't seen a two-story high one. The majority of what we see is probably about 15 feet, kind of where they top out, and a good multi-trunked tree. So it's got a a nice kind of an even bark. It's a little bit more of a, a smooth to furry bark. And, uh, and then it's got a nice leaf to it with a beautiful, almost trumpet-like pink to almost purple flower. Sometimes you can find them out there with clusters of white flowers and stuff, just depending on the variant that's out there. Uh, and again, it, it kind of fans out. And to, to call it a, a true willow is kind of odd, but it, it's a beautiful semi-shade tree. So if you want to create a little bit of shade, what we call an E-zone in the microclimate world where it's got some filtered light, to protect some other beautiful succulents or cacti or some other things like that. If you want to get some nice aloe growing and things, that's great nurse tree for those okay. types of things. And it and it's it also helps fix a little bit of nitrogen. It's more of a bean type plant, produces a bean, and so it's 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 a good not a heavy fixer of nitrogen, but it's a it's a good complementary tree in a garden in a landscape in order to help really build the soil and grow some other things underneath it. Well, you're selling me on it. I, <laughs> I, 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 I was going to trash talk the tree the whole time, <laughs> but uh, you're, you're swinging me over, man. That's a, that sounds like a, a versatile tree, an applicable tree for the Arizona landscaping scheme, and an edible tree. Yep, it's uh, got it's, a, it's it's got a lot going for it there. Gets the triple crown. It and does, does it attract pollinators by chance? Or? It does attract pollinators. Also, can attract uh, the hummingbirds. That's one of my favorite things. Uh, I have hummingbirds yeah. seem to love to hang out in it. Like they'll actually build their nests inside of that tree, and that's another really cool thing to have. Well, you just sold me on it. I love hummingbirds, <laughs> so that that'll have to be a part of our new landscaping scheme. A couple desert willows. Yeah. Now, the other thing we wanted to talk about is just desert plant survival in general. And a lot of things you've described about this willow kind of apply to a lot of the indigenous desert plants. Yeah, especially our Sonoran Desert. I mean, a lot of the favorites in the Sonoran Desert really fit that that scape. I mean, you, you a lot of you have talked about or know about xeriscaping. I mean, xeriscaping is all about really xerophytes and the types of plants that need very little water, you know, can really survive off of the existing water that comes from our rains and, and they can go for months and they adapt themselves to that low water scenario. And so if, if you want a good list of that, I mean, we can help you with that at agriscaping.com. Being on our newsletter, we'll be talking a lot about this this summer because everyone's asking about, well, what's going to survive and I don't have to do anything with it. Well, I tell you, I'm pulling up in my clients' houses on our remodeling projects, and you can sure see the stress. Yes. You know, I I had a client walk up to me and say, you know, what's wrong with that plant? And I said, well, take off your shoes. Let me me bury your feet in that decomposed granite out in the middle of your yard, and I'll come check on you tomorrow. Right. And and they're going to automatically know. It's like, oh, I don't want to be out here. No, that's You're crazy. And that— 
and and especially at a time like this where we have a shift in temperature that happens quickly. And it's those quick shifts in temperature that make living in the desert difficult. That's just how it works. Okay. But, and that's, it's, it's kind of a flash heat. It's like this flash heat wave where all of a sudden it's super dry and super hot all at the same time. And there's no recovery at night. And when that happens, then the plants can definitely have a major effect. You'll get a lot of yellowing of leaves. You get a lot of that that's going on right now. And, and that's really happening because we might not have prepared those plants enough in the, in the future or in the past to be able to handle that shift. Well, the, the untrained homeowner like me uh, was so happy in the spring and the winter, right. but virtually had the irrigation system turned off till the end of February and let nature have its way, uh, kind of woke up about March and thought, well, maybe I ought to, maybe I ought to give it a shot, you know. <laughs> And then about April, I thought, well, maybe it needs two shots. And then by, well, by the time this heat wave hit, man, I'm having to kind of supplement it on a regular basis, as well as the clients that I'm visiting all the time. Just give it an extra shot. Exactly. And they need a, a pretty big shot. I mean, we were talking just yesterday with my wife about some of the utility bills, and we look at kind of percentages of things. And during the, the through April, it's like some of our, our water stuff was really only about 2% of the bill yeah which was for the the landscape right and, and now we're looking at it now and it's more like 15 to 20 percent. Oh, so if you look at the percent increase in watering to justify that increase in in cost it's like it's almost 10 times as much as it was in that then you know during april because like you said we oh. had good rains oh god it was great we didn't really do anything i i uh i i pay the water bill for a couple of our tenants and um one of them is very landscape astute they're so landscape astute that their water bill went from about 160 a month to 540. Oh, jeepers! <laughs> but it looks good. It looks uh, good. The yard looks good. <laughs> well, we hope they're growing some food at the same time, oh, so they're getting something man. back for not, it, right? Not quite to the degree okay. that you would have them do it. That's mm. for sure. But I mean, it, it's taken three to four times the water at just at that one property. To get it through this season, yeah, and a five percent humidity, one hundred and ten degrees. That's that's hefty, and that's a hard thing for a plant to accommodate. Now, a lot of people are going to see some leaves dropping, some yellowing on their plants, and stuff like that. So, that's a part of any plant's life cycle when they start getting this situation: high heat, low humidity, low water. You know, it, when that's there, they're going to start dropping leaves that are taking a, a lot of the nutrient and a lot of the water away from them. So they're going to do that naturally. And they're going to actually start putting out a new type of leaf in most cases. That new type of leaf is going to be a little more leathery and it's going to be thicker and it's going to uh, allow less evaporation through the leaf in order for that tree to survive. And so don't be too dismayed if you see a lot of leaf dropping off of some of your plants in the, la in the last week or this week. That's normal. But what you do want to make sure you're doing is you are increasing the water and getting a nice deep, deep watering. We're going to really try to focus on a deep water, not a shallow watering, because we want it to start feeding from a deeper source, a cooler source. And then what it'll do is the tree will start adapting, especially a lot of our desert adaptive plants here. They're just going to start shifting. And in some cases, like with our, uh, we the desert, um, desert goji, Sometimes they'll call it the wolfberry, the Lyceum andersonii. It's a beautiful, wonderful, edible plant. Looks kind of like a, de a desert sage kind of looking plant. But when it gets hot and no water, it'll literally drop all of its leaves. Every single one of them. And it just turns into this weird, dusty looking bush. 
with no leaves on it, but then it starts putting out new leaves that look more like succulent leaves. They're round, they're plump, and they don't let hardly any water out. And so that's normal. And so that's something to just pay attention to. But the things that adapt to the Arizona heat and desert and drought, they're going to be changing their leaf structure right now. So don't get too crazy about it's dying. We've been on a campaign at Rosie on the House to get all the valley, particularly the valley and Pima and Pinal County homeowners, to consider focusing on saving 10% of their annual water consumption. It's hard to, to do that in this environment. This is... This is one point until the monsoons hit that you're, you know, hopefully you've been conserving the other eight or nine months. You got a little extra. You got to be able to pour out to the plants right now. When we get back, let's talk about that monsoon. It's coming. It's coming. We'll talk about it. What do trees wear at pool parties? Swimming trunks. I bet oh you my. every desert tree right now would like to jump in the pool. Oh, yeah. Uh, without a doubt. Some are trying. They're pushing their roots right into your pool, so watch out for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Look for the roots with flip-flops on. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it right there. They want to be in their swimming trunks right now. Justin Rohner from Agriscaping here joining us in the outdoor living hour of Rosie on the House. We've talked in the last segment about desert plants and the desert willow. You talked about the concept of the nurse plant. Yeah. Which the desert willow can be. Beautiful one. Okay. But there's also in the desert, there's there's plant assassins. Plant assassins, yes. They 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 when they get stressed out, they actually will kill off any other plant that's around it. They will make it hard for anything else to grow. They do that with a leaf fall that's poisonous or through their roots or what how do yeah, what, what, what do they do? What studies have found, it has a lot more to do with exactly what you're saying. It's the leaf drop, and it's what the chemicals in those leaves actually inhibit other things from growing around it. I mean, creosote is one of those out there in the desert that actually does that on its own naturally, and it does it most when it's in a stressed scenario. So it's wanting to kill off an, any little sprout that might want to grow when it rains because it's going to then want to take up all that nutrient, all that water. And uh, a couple other ones that are out there that do the same thing. So, that, and that is a very obvious one. You can yes. you can see a a plateau or, or a, a a valley of creosote, and and they're all just individual plants, five yep. to five to six feet apart, and <laughs> right. and nothing growing nothing in, between in between them. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's one that happens, and we can take those to our advantage as well. So there's some utility to that. I mean, if you've got a big landscape and you want to have some greenery out there, creosote is a great option because it's very low maintenance around it because it doesn't allow anything else to grow. Smells delicious. It smells delicious, especially when it rains. It oh, lets baby. you know. Oh, baby. That, that it's, desert smell. It's happy. That mm. desert yeah. smell is the it. creosote. You know, what people come here for, and one of the beautiful things about the monsoons is that smell. It's unique. The happy aroma. The happy aroma, exactly. Yes. And that and that same chemical is basically what's shifting inside the plant saying, hey, I don't need to be so hard on my neighboring plants for right now. You know, it, it lightens their mood a little bit too, I think. So, And so it's a mood lifter. It, but there's other plants that also do similar things that I use to my advantage in my garden. So the wild tobacco. People might end up finding it growing in their garden. It, it You rub a leaf, it smells like diesel fuel. But there's, and it has a, 
beautiful little trumpet flower that grows pretty fast, and it attracts hummingbirds better than anything. Oh, interesting. And, and they don't get lung cancer, as far as I can okay. tell. So right. it's a... <laughs> well, when your life expectancy is only four years. <laughs> you, want it to, you want to extend it yeah, as long as you can. You want to live. Yeah, yeah you want to live. But yeah, yeah. one thing that's cool about that tobacco is I use that mulch. And this is something I just found happenstance and then started using it more intentionally, it, intentionally is that the leaf – its composted leaf actually inhibits any other seed from growing. And so it, it's a natural, you know, anti-germination um, tool that I can keep other um, weed seeds from growing by using a tobacco-type mulch. So if you're going to develop that kind of a mulch, you're going to do that completely independent of your other mulch pile, right? Absolutely. And I'm only going to use it in places that are underneath some trees I mean, you're going or to have that, that labeled and masked off and, you know, right. the Justin's pile only. Yeah, this is right. the yeah, it's the it's the plant assassin pile yeah. that that only nurtures un, you know, uh, planted plants. Now, cool part about that though is that I can then do transplants into those spaces with that type of mulch and nothing else is going to grow except my transplant because yes. it's already gone past the phase of germination. And so those chemicals aren't inhibiting in its growth. The, the question begs to be asked. So other in your, when you're doing that kind of a mulch, what else are you adding to the mulch? You've got the wild tobacco leaves. What are you using for your browns and your carbs? Well, the, 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 it really is. I just let that break down. Let it turn all by down itself. And just okay. All by itself. All on its own. Because okay. I don't want to get confused either, okay. Rosie. I don't, right. <laughs> there's, there's some problems that may occur. So in my you're garden. keeping it wet. Keeping it or wet, damp. let it break down. Yep. yep, just let it kind of break down over on the side. And, uh, and and that's about it. I mean, other trees that are out there that are allelopathic like that, and that's the fun big word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, is the juggalones in some of our pecan trees. When pecan trees get stressed out, they drip a little bit of sap, and that inhibits the growth of other plants around them as well. And so for those that have pecan trees in their garden, just be aware. As things get stressed, if you're not watering them well, if they're too stressed, they're going to start dropping more of that little sappy stuff with juggalone in it specifically that will inhibit even leaf growth on other plants. So it's not just about inhibiting others. Uh, another big one here in Arizona is the black walnut. That one naturally, especially when it's stressed out, it pretty much kills everything else around it because it's got a much higher juggalone in its leaf sap that starts tripping out. If you pay attention in this kind of weather, we can learn a lot from the plants of how to take care of ourselves. Lay low. Avoid the sun exposure. Avoid strenuous activity in the hottest parts of the day. Stay hydrated. These are all things the plants are doing naturally. These are things we need to be doing habitually. We're here. We're in the desert, baby. And we're going to be talking about that monsoon right after we get back from this break. Thanks, Justin. Sounds great. We're here this morning at Rosie on the House talking in the outdoor living hour with Justin Rohner from Agriscaping, an incredibly unique uh, niche landscaper that says don't plant it unless you can eat it. Yeah, or, or that's do just, something with it. you got to be that, productive. That's you know? just genius. I just want <laughs> you to know that. That's genius. But I, I, did, I do want you to know, 
This was a week from that place I, I'm not going to go when I die. Ah, I'm, okay. I'm going the other direction. But this was a week from that place. Uh, Jennifer's out. Romy's out. Uh, and I saw some emails between you and Romy trading off what we were going to talk about mm-hmm. this show. And I was reading it quick and fast in a hurry because I had to get ready and I saw tropical pants. So <laughs> last, last night, I was on the Tommy Bahama website for about an hour becoming an expert on tropical pants. Tropical pants. Yeah, that's not the exact topic that we were looking at. We were looking at tropical plants. Uh, well, I know about as much about tropical plants as I do about tropical pants. Well, you probably know a little bit more about tropical pants now, <laughs> is my guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I ordered I ordered uh, all kind of flowery-looking things. Well, that's wonderful. We just need to get you ordering some tropical plants okay. now. And, and those are something, I mean, discussion topic. And it is a great thing that here in Arizona, because of the uniqueness of our environment, as well as when you can integrate rainwater harvesting and gray water harvesting, you can actually grow a lot of tropical plants here in Arizona. I was actually at a mango tasting just just about a week and a half ago here in Arizona. A lot of Arizona-grown stuff. So I would have a lot of educating. I can't even grow xeriscape plants. (laughs) You might be watering them too much. Oh, man, oh, man. (laughs) Let's talk about that incoming monsoon. We were talking about creosote and the fact that it's got this protective property about it, that it protects itself from combating or competing with the water sources by killing the plants around it. But when it does rain, that's, that's the hook, baby. You, that, you, you just, you just want to get out, walk around the yard, walk around the desert, and smell that wet creosote. Oh, beautiful smell. So the monsoon is coming. I haven't seen anything on my Weather Channel app yet that says we're anything more than about 5 or 6 or 7% humidity. Right. But at 110 and above, I know it's coming. Well, Arizona Weather Force says there's a developing tropical system in the eastern Pacific that's going to likely kickstart our monsoon season around mid-July, which means we're only okay. about a week or two okay. out. And and that's kind of the bigger picture of what's going on out there that then that creates our monsoon, even though it's been on our schedule, what, since last month? That's, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Now, now it's a date. Now, now it's, it's actually, a calendar date. Now, now it's a calendar date. Yeah. But obviously there's things that have to happen in order for that to occur. And all the heat actually helps create that high pressure, which pushes things. And then we start getting more evaporation. And then, you know, that's how monsoons start. And it so, really acts like a vacuum, yeah, bringing exactly. the moisture up from the south. It really does. Yeah. And so there's a lot of interesting things that happen, and it's, it's what makes part of being in Arizona unique is the monsoon madness that's about to hit us. Let's, let's be ahead of the curve like we right. always are at Rosie on the House, and let's talk to the Arizona homeowners about what do they need. A lot of newcomers here. A lot of newcomers. Yeah. What are they, they going to experience in their first monsoon? Well, hopefully you're, you're looking forward with some anticipation of some of the most beautiful scenery and the most beautiful transitions of, of a day when these monsoons hit and we want you to be able to be both confident and uh, really comfortable in these environments and that your garden is also and prepared uh, and prepared. And that's how you become comfortable and you become ready for it is be by being really prepared. And one of the major things, probably the first thing on my list is to really make sure that your trees, which are going to be your biggest issue when those monsoon winds come in because they force those haboobs. I mean, and, and I, I think I can say that on the radio. Yes, is that you can. okay? <laughs> Absolutely. Because <laughs> it's uh, what's happened is that those big cells of all this moisture and heaviness up in the atmosphere it hits our wall of high pressure heat, and then it it starts to 
to break down and then it flushes this big old wave of wind down through the column and it makes this wall of dust that can be hundreds of feet high that you'll see coming and that's the first part of the monster and that can be literally 80 mile an hour winds that come pushing across it can be dramatic it can be very very <laughs> dramatic and and so you can imagine this it's kind of fun to see but what's beautiful and positive about that is there's a lot of micronutrients in that dust that's coming to actually help water or help feed your plants that's a lot of how the deserts and the desert plants and even some of the upper trees uh, up on the periphery of the valley here they get a lot of their nutrients from a lot of that dust storms. Now, I can that see how in. that's true in Maricopa County because it's because <laughs> it's picking up all the agriculture fertilizer in Pinal County, <laughs> in Pinal County, and, <laughs> and dumping it and out. it's bringing. But how does that work in Pima County when it's blowing across Santa Cruz County? Well, and that's some of the stuff we want to try to help you to protect your soil, and so it doesn't blow away. You yeah. know, it's not only nice for your neighbors to do that; it's nice for you as well. And that also kind of leads into how to help your trees stay tight. And one it's, of those haboobs, I had to call the Sabas, who who melon farm down in Chandler. I said, hey, one of your melons landed in my yard. Oh wow! Well, I had to I had to grab my trampoline from a few houses oh, yeah, down. That's another thing that'll yeah, take backyard, off and backyard umbrellas. Yeah. Trampoline. So just like you want your trampoline anchored down. You know, we we best recommend you throw that in the ground, maybe put a garden underneath there, a trampoline garden. That's another beautiful way to use those, but then they won't fly to your neighbor. But your trees need to be anchored as well. The only way to anchor a tree effectively is to deep water that tree. Okay. And you need to really start doing that now. The other trick is you don't want to water it about at least three days prior to one of these monsoon storms coming in. So pay attention to your weather. You don't want to make it really wet and soaking wet right before that big rain it's comes. Pli- that makes the root ball pliable. Yes, and as well as the soil. The and that wh- whole root ball could pop right up if it's not too if it's not deep enough rooted. So you got to really pay attention this time of year on what's about to happen. Don't water it within three days. Deep water it within three days of the monsoon coming. Because you want it to be anchored into some really hard soil because that wind blows first and then the rain. 90% you, of the you time. You hope. You hope. Right? Yeah, 90% <laughs> of the time. It's the big, big push and then the rain. Yeah. And that's that's part of the beauty of it. All right. So what when I want to deep water my mature trees, uh, or, or maybe it's a new tree. Maybe it's the desert willow I'm going to plant next week. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to I'm gonna be tempted to take some, like, three-inch Schedule 80 PVC, drill some holes in it, and send some PVC piers in a, in a perimeter around that tree, maybe six or seven feet deep, and then just fill those with some aggregate rock. It, does that make sense? Or so is that, that like overkill or is that? Well, if you're going three feet deep, then that's the starting point of where the water's going. And if you're just planting the tree, well, you're you're now two feet below the, two or three feet below the actual root zone. It's not yes. going to benefit from any of that water. And so that might be too deep. So what okay. I, I recommend is it, what's better right now, especially if you're newly planting a tree, is you want to just slow soak from the top and maybe only a gallon per hour but you may let it go for 12 hours and what the intent is you're trying to get that to deep soak down so there's this column of water going deep through that soil and it's got a lot of volume to it and it's not just flowing away so a lot of people think oh i just need to build a well and i need to flood irrigate it right the challenge with that is when we with our clay soils when you did that type of water and what it's going to do it's the water's going to go laterally 
not vertically. We want it to go deep down into the ground, not just laterally across that soil, which is often what happens. And so by doing that drill down, that's an effective way to get some down, but I would still have one on top. So if I've got a, a drip at the top and I've got some that's going down deeper into the soil, that's a really good way to go, especially long term. We want okay, right. that water to be down at least three feet deep on any of our trees. And you can test that with a probe. You can find these probes or get yeah. a number three piece of rebar and at least three feet or get a four foot piece, bend the top six inches and you got an, an effective tool that you can with the pressure of your own body weight, as long as you weigh over 80 pounds, you can push that down into the ground and it will let you know where that water level Dry has spot. stopped. Yeah, yeah. And that gets you know the depth and then keep water until you get it down to three feet. And then when you do it that route, the roots are going to continue to dive deeper and really anchor themselves more into the soil, and you'll have a much healthier tree. Now, if I plant that desert willow and I've got the monsoon coming, how long will I leave it artificially staked? <laughs> Depends on the stake. Okay. Uh, I, I want to make sure that it's more about the top heaviness of that tree. I mean, a lot of times these trees, if you plant them at the right time, at the right size, I like 15-gallon trees. Anything bigger than that definitely needs a stake. Okay. And you want to trim them in a way that you, you have a nice open canopy. That will inhibit it from pulling itself over. So now is a great time to be trimming those trees. That's the number two thing to make sure is that you're really trimming a lot of those trees right now so that they're not becoming umbrellas to grab that wind and, and cause a lot of force against the tree. So you want to thin out about a third of it, but you thin it out. Don't just trim the, the sides of it. You want to thin it out, open it up so wind can move through it while not losing all of your beautiful canopy. Think of the mesquites. Think of the palaverdes. Those are yep. the palaverdes, which is a quick-growing tree, yep. uh, is artificially and incorrectly watered a lot in residential landscapes, and it's not unusual to drive down the street after a monsoon and and see a good number of those on their sides. On their sides are yeah. broken up, and when they're on their sides, they're usually pulled the whole root up. That's right. right. Yep, because yep. they got such a shallow root system. Because people have been watering them like they do their grass. They're on the same timer as the grass which is not appropriate for any of our trees here. And the thing I like to remind newcomers is I can remember a monsoon last year uh, where in Mesa out on Bush Highway, there were like APS SRP power lines that were down for like a two-mile stretch, just down across, laying on the highway. And that particular storm where I live, we, we didn't even have a, 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 a breeze. Wow. Or a drop of water. It, it picks, it, it goes all over the place. You get those microburst scenarios that happen and stuff too. It's like, you, you don't know when it's going to hit you, but it's coming. It's coming. So let's get your furniture anchored down. <laughs> Let, let's get your uh, trampolines anchored down. You mentioned the best way to anchor your trees is proper watering all year long. Correct. Uh, and I, I've seen people planting a landscape scheme that I think uh, they, they leave it artificially staked too long. Yeah. And, and, and you actually see trunk damage. You do. And it's what you want to do, forever. A, a, good stake, there, you know? a good stake tree in my mind and what we do with our trees is that we'll have a double or a triple stake scenario, but we make sure that the center part is loose. We don't ever want it tied directly to that. Strangle it. We don't want to strangle that tree. We want to keep it loose because we want that tree to move a little, but not so much that it's going to break and fail. And so we want it to move so it can strengthen that trunk so it can hold itself up next round. And so when I'm looking at a tree on whether it needs to be staked or not, first two years max, after that time, you should have it loose enough and it's able to move around enough that it's strengthened itself and it's done. 
you can pull those stakes out. Let her go. The other thing I'm curious about is when can I, as a Zero Escaped uh, fan, cut the irrigation to those to those trees that are made to grow in this environment? Well, when I always three or four or five years old. Can I just cut that back? Cut that valve off? You can you can back it off, but you still want to pay attention to the health of that tree. Okay. I mean, you can certainly back it off, and then the, as it gets deep, but you want to make sure at least once a month you're given a good deep soak from your own system just to ensure that it's got a balanced set of nutrient and and value there. And then if it's rained enough, you know, a few inches in that month, you may not have to do it that month. All right, we're here with Justin Rohner from the company. The actual company name is Agriscaping. Agriscaping, agriscaping.com. And your headquarters? We're headquartered now in Queen Creek. And you teach people how to landscape with usable plant. If you're going to water, plant it, care for it, water it, trim it, fertilize it, make it something you can use and eat. That's right. You know, rather than having a resource-sucking money pit, you call a yard, you might as well have a beautiful, elegant, and and productive landscape, something that's going to give you something back. And the website. Agriscaping.com. And we've got a class all about, more about monsoons. You can ask your questions. We've got a webinar coming up this Wednesday. So if you want to jump in on that, check it out on our events page. And again, the website? Agriscaping.com. All right. The Outdoor Living Hour of Rosie on the House. I'm Rosie. In studio here, Justin Rohner from Agriscaping. We've got Miss Jessie on call screening. If you'd like to call and talk to us, the number is one 767 4348 And, of course, our broadcast engineer, Mr. Gary D., directing the satellites and keeping them all up in the air at the proper altitudes with the signals pointed in the right direction. Wow. I didn't know you did all that, too, From Gary. right you there. You know, it's funny. <laughs> neither did I. He, he does all that from right there in that chair. You know, it's only at Rosie on the House. You can tune in on Saturday mornings, and we teach you four and five syllable words. Zero fight. Zero fight, yep. Alela, alelophony. Alelopathic. <laughs> well, we try and teach them. We're trying to teach them. We'll tell them all the ways how not to say it. Yeah, there you go. Make sure there you get go. that down. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that final monsoon prep you were talking about. And you've got a, a, an excellent webinar coming up this week people really ought to know about. Yeah, if you want to know more about how to trim those trees correctly for yourself and make sure you get things ready for your garden, make sure you're prepped. We've got a free webinar. Just sign up at agriscaping.com. Check out the events page or sign up for our newsletter. We'll be sending you information about that, how to jump onto that class, and, and you'll be able to ask your questions, and we'll, we'll do it live. And if you haven't already called your arborist to have your trees trimmed ready for the monsoon, right. you're too late. <laughs> I, I called my arborist a month ago. And he's coming out. And he's coming out July 11th. So, so you may so be on your a, own. That was a five-week wait. He was already booked that far. And I once the it. monsoon hits, they go from five-week backup to four-month backup. Yep. <laughs> With all the down trees they're picking up for the city and the HOAs and their, uh, the golf courses and everything else. So maybe we need to start another monsoon class in January just to make sure that everybody's ready. And you can get and professionals there are a few out there but it's really uh we're really starved for for 
for landscape professionals here in Arizona, especially around monsoon time, because most everybody wants to leave. <laughs> that, yeah, that's true. And so it's hard to find them. So that's another thing. So if you're, you're, if you're stuck doing it yourself, please come to that webinar. We'll teach you how to get it done for yourself, what tools to use, all that stuff, and how to get these things really prepped. Talking about trimming trees, there is one type of trim that drives me nuts, lion tailing. Lion tailing. Oh. Make giant I, I said, whips. I, I sit there and do the sign of the cross. I said, guy, you're going down once the monsoon <laughs> hit. But that, you don't want to do that type of trimming where you, you trim all the way up. And, and then it's all fanned out. And it's fanned out, yeah. and it just takes a one giant good umbrella. Gusting. And then those—that's when you can break a branch. That's that's where Definitely. most of the broken branches. You may not lose the whole tree, but you are likely going to lose a big part of your tree just from a broken branches. So, and you'll be demonstrating the don'ts during this. You webinar. got it. Yep, we'll be talking about that. I mean, that's the most heart-wrenching part of monsoon season is the tree loss. I mean, that's that's the part that'll just take a bite out of your day, your week, and thirty years of growth off of your tree in in a matter of seconds. And so we want you as best prepared to, to, to mitigate that so it's not a problem for you in the future. And then how to trim it if it already has happened to you. I mean, I know there's a few of my neighbors that still have trees that have been broken from last year's monsoon <laughs> that they haven't repaired. And that's going to cause bigger problems for this next monsoon. And a part of the monsoons, you were talking about it a little bit, about the microburst. I mean, the horizontal wind in a microburst can be tornado level. Yeah. I mean, we, we, you can be talking hurricane stage two level. You can be north of 100 miles an hour easily in some of this wind. Yep. It's it's kind of a combined effect of multiple winds all hit, hitting at the same time. If you've ever been to the ocean and, and they have the combined wave effects where there's two waves that hit at the same time in the same spot, and it creates a much three times the wave, and wind does the same thing. And the thing about the monsoons, we go back to a term you mentioned at the beginning of the show, quick shifting temperatures, quick shifting wind. Um you know, even with that uh, humidity that hits, those temperatures just plummet, and yeah. they can they can really, really, you know, me- mess up a good day. Let's put it that way. <laughs> That's right. So we want you to be prepared. We want you to be comfortable. We want you to be confident in these wonderful storms that are coming, and not be afraid of them at all. And to do that, you got to be prepared. So make sure you're prepared. Well, thanks for coming in today. You've sh- you've sold me on the desert willow. There we go. <laughs> Another another tree added to Rosie's One hour ago, that was a real long shot. <laughs> <laughs> so a, a tree that's got a lot going for it. It does. And it's it's a beautiful, wonderful tree. We love uh, integrating it in, especially those that have more of a desert landscape and they want to have that xeriscape in sections. Beautiful tree. And Rosie, I, I, how about some plant assassins, too, while you're yeah, at plant, it? Sure, <laughs> plant make sure, assassins. Make sure I, that desert willow grows properly. <laughs> right. I... I I am I am the most qualified plant assassin I know. So you you've got a gift then you've got a gift then Rosie you've my, got the first part you know how to build soil with dead com, decomposing matter is, my, is that what you're telling my, me That's part one part two we'll get you planting some good stuff my my nickname should be Alelopath <laughs> I am the guy I am the guy it takes a lot so I'm glad we didn't go tropical plants today because uh, I have a hard time. Growing the plant, you, but you talked about corn, melons, corn, corn, and melons right now. Seeds planted right now. Make sure you you want to cover them before the you put some newspaper over the top. Just a quick little tip so your seeds don't get washed away. You can throw some wet some newspaper down on top of where you All planted right. the seeds. It'll keep them from blowing off. Very good, thanks, Justin.